Today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15 is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is here to make sure you're well-groomed above and below the belt. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to shaving with their Lawnmower 3.0 personal trimmer. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming, and the Lawnmower 3.0 is a waterproof cordless body trimmer that makes it safe and easy. Subscribe to the Perfect Package and get a new replacement blade refill for your trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code THEATHLETIC20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts, a travel bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use code THEATHLETIC20. Rollis Chapman gets suspended for throwing at Mike Brasso, and we take a look at zone contact laggards. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15 on The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, September 3rd. Derek Van Rijberg here with Michael Beller. Big news right off the top, Beller. The Yankees and Rays were getting very heated on a Tuesday night, and there was some discipline that came down from Major League Baseball in the form of a three-game suspension for Yankees closer Aroldis Chapman. He threw over the head of Mike Brasso at about 101 miles per hour in that game. Chapman has appealed that suspension, so he's currently available out of the Yankees' bullpen until that appeal is heard. A very scary situation, too. It really didn't look like Aroldis Chapman simply misfired in that particular instance. But now that Zach Britton is back from the IL, I think we've got pretty good clarity as far as how the Yankees would handle save situations once we get to the point where Chapman has to serve some or possibly all of that suspension. Yeah, we've already seen this story uh, play out earlier in the season with Zach Britton taking over the closer's role for the Yankees. No reason to think that won't be the case. Of course, this will be a short-term thing if it is just a three-game suspension max and maybe it gets reduced down, although I hope it doesn't. This is just absolutely ridiculous, and you know there are ways to settle things, and this is just something we should be left behind. But that's obviously another story for a non-fifteen-minute-long podcast. Um, you know, Zach Britton, I think, is someone who does have value even when he's not saving games. So I wouldn't let the fact that it's going to be a three-day closer run max sway me away from adding him if I had places where I could add him. Uh, but it is something that you have to know. If you're adding him primarily for the saves, it's probably just going to be three days and maybe he gets zero opportunities in those three days. Yeah, really more of a first come, first serve sort of pick up, but not a big windfall in weekly leagues if Zach Britton uh, is available on your waiver wire. Let's talk about Will Myers for a moment. He was placed on the IL by the Padres for unspecified reasons, so there's no timetable for his return. But it is worth noting his teammate Adrian Morejon went on the IL last weekend. He was back just two days later. In the year of COVID, you know, there's situations where players can come back a lot sooner than expected. Given that this is for undisclosed reasons, those rules should probably be in play here for Myers. So there's really no guarantee that this situation will keep him out of action for the usual 10-day minimum. I think these types of situations are strange because 
unless we get an update that indicates that it's a, a muscle problem or a ligament issue, we have to kind of assume that it's something relatively minor despite the IL placement. Now, I want to talk about Myers because he's one of those players that I had no faith in as far as a, being a 2020 bounce-back candidate. He was on my OOTP team back in the spring. He sent me emails and complained about playing time, even though he was a <laughs> below-replacement-level player in the sim. And I think that rubbed me the wrong way. But here he is, 34 games into this season, nine home runs. He's hitting 293 with a 365 OBP and a 602 slug. Those are either matching or exceeding his career highs across the board as a big leaguer. So I ask you, is this rebound at age 29 for Will Myers, is this real? I mean, is there a less predictable player in the majors than Will Myers? I mean, I was nowhere near him in any leagues either, and I feel like most people shouldn't have been. I think, you know, what what interests me about Myers is that he has always had this, like, pure, raw talent, right? So over any given sample, even though it hasn't happened for him in this way, over any given 34-game sample, I don't think we should be shocked that this is something that he can do. I think this would be someone who over, if this were a normal season, and today, you know, we're a month into the year, today is, you know, May 2nd instead of it being one month left in the season, then we're saying sell, sell, sell. Get out while you can. Things are going to turn. Now, since there's only one month left in the season, I don't think there's any reason to think that he is just going to completely fall off a cliff because of that pure raw talent. It still underlies what he does. So I'm sort of in the camp where I'm open to anything, basically, in fantasy leagues. And if people want to come and ask me for my Will Myers, especially now that he's on the IL, I'm open to listening. But I'm not trying to just get rid of him because I do think that, you know, with because of that talent, this is something that can carry on for another three weeks. And that's really all you're asking out of him. Yeah, I think maybe he was a blind spot for me because I was looking too much at the 34.3% K rate last year. That was easily a career high. He just seemed lost at the plate, but it made me look right past the fact that for the second consecutive season, he had an average exit velocity above 90 miles per hour. He's at 91 so far in 2020, so he's hitting the ball hard for the third consecutive year. Has always had that power-speed combo. Only one stolen base so far, but for a guy that's got nine homers, you can't really complain too much if you got Will Myers, especially at the discount he was available at back on draft day. So day-to-day for now, despite the IL stint. Jose Quintana is back on the IL with left lat inflammation. Adbert Alzale appears to be the most likely candidate to replace him because Tyler Chatwood is also unavailable for the Cubs. Uh, Alzale was a little bit exciting when he was called up last year. Beller, is there any type of league beyond NL-only formats where you're thinking about picking him up for some spot duty? No, I think NL only is where you're looking at. He uh, did pitch very well in his one start this season uh, when Quintana and Chatwood were on the IL previously, right? Second IL stint for both of these guys this year. Um, so he was he did pitch very well in that one start. I still think it's just NL only, and maybe he turns into a potential stream guy in 15-team mixers. But uh, at the moment, I don't see how you could really have any confidence in him beyond NL only leagues. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Now, Carlos Martinez was previously expected to return to the Cardinals this weekend. He's now expected to be away from the team until sometime next week. So if you've been stashing Martinez, it's going to be just a little bit longer before he rejoins the cards. Uh, Eliezer Hernandez was placed on the IL due to a lat strain. That was definitely a concern that Al and I discussed on Wednesday's episode. 
Jose Urania is expected to replace him in the rotation the next time the Marlins need a fifth starter, but that won't happen until next week, so really no immediate action necessary there. Uh, speaking of lat strains, Cody Bellinger was held out of the starting lineup for the second straight day. We're watching that situation very closely. Hopefully, that won't turn into an IL stint, but that's absolutely a situation worth monitoring. A couple of players leaving early on Wednesday. Jorge Soler left the Royals game with oblique irritation and mid-back tightness. We know obliques can be very problematic for hitters, so he's day-to-day for now, but definitely follow up on that news as you move through the day on Thursday. Max Kepler also left Wednesday's game. That was against the White Sox with a groin strain. For now, he is also day-to-day. The Twins do have the benefit of an off day on Thursday. They also have the benefit of Byron Buxton returning from the IL earlier this week. So they're a little less thin in the outfield than they were just a couple of days ago. Some good news for the Twins. Josh Donaldson was back in the lineup on Wednesday night. He's back from that calf injury in the starting lineup against the White Sox. The only thing that worries me here, Beller, is that Donaldson has had multiple years of calf trouble. If it were the first time he'd had this injury, I would assume no big deal. He gets back to being Josh Donaldson right away. But I think this is an opportunity if you have him in a league and you can trade him to someone who needs help at the corner or at third base, I think you go ahead and do it, even if you have to take a lot less than what you would have paid on draft day. Yeah, I think that's uh, that, that's really not bad um, advice there, DVR. It's it's disappointing because I was really excited about Josh Donaldson this year joining this Twins team, being a big part of what uh, we expect to be a powerful lineup. Uh, but this is just something that with his history, with his age, with the fact that uh, he missed time so early in the season, all those things are red flags. And you can even go back to Quintana on this and, and hitting the IL you know, after you know, such brief appearances this season. This was such a weird run-up to the year that guys who got hurt right away have me really concerned for how well they're going to be able to handle the rest of the season just because – it was a strange, strange summer for all these guys. And I'm not saying it's their fault that they weren't keeping themselves in shape. It's just, you know, hard to put your body through spring training, which they had to do. And then, you know, not knowing if there was going to be a season for months and months and months. And then, oh, you have two weeks to get ready for a season. And now you're playing real games. Like, that's not an easy thing to ask your body to do, especially for guys who have logged as many innings, as many at-bats as Jose Quintana and Josh Donaldson have in their respective careers. So it does concern me about his ability to stay healthy, stay fresh through the rest of the season. I think, uh, you know, in one league where I do have him, a couple of hot games, and I'd be looking to trade wherever I can. Yeah, I already did it in one of my leagues, so definitely open up those lines of communication before the deadlines hit in your leagues. Walker Bueller returned from the IL on Wednesday night. He was pitching very well at the time of this recording, keeping the Diamondbacks offense quiet through four and change. So it looks like he's right back to being the Walker Bueller that uh, we've grown to expect in his young career. We're going to take a quick look at hitters who've been struggling to make contact on pitches inside the strike zone. But first, a quick word from one of our sponsors. Let's take a quick look at the leaderboard for Z contact percentage. That's zone contact percentage for hitters. Hitters with low contact rates on pitches that would have been quali- that would have been called strikes. So, among qualified hitters, these are the laggards in zone contact percentage. Keston Hira, sixty-three point one percent. Joey Gallo, sixty-nine point eight percent. Javi Baez at seventy point four percent. 
Brian Anderson, Johan Camargo, Miguel Sano, all in the 71% range. Josh Bell, Luis Robert, Adalberto Mondesi, and Brandon Lau all in the 72 to 74% range. So they are the top 10 on the laggard board, I guess we'll call it. Hira just kind of stands alone, though. He's in yes. a tier of his own, and, and the big problem with him has been fastballs up in the strike zone, which I think is the kind of problem that you're really going to have a difficult time fixing with an in-season sort of adjustment. So my question for you is, as you look at this list of names, there are some guys who've played very well despite this flaw. In a longer season, I might be more inclined to try and move away from them. If I don't see a specific hole like I do with Hira, I'm tempted to be more patient than not with this group if there's other stuff that I like about these players. So uh, is there anybody on here that really stands out to you who's playing well, but you still kind of trust them to continue playing well? Um, half, half is my answer to that question. He is not playing well, but I trust him to uh, play a little bit better going forward, even with this deficiency and it's Javier Baez, uh, Javier Baez for, you know, just with what his game is, there's so often been times in his career where the underlying numbers don't add up. If you just looked at the underlying numbers, you would say, this is probably a guy who's not hitting very well and he's contending for an MVP. So Javier Baez is someone who is able to consistently outperform some of the metrics that we've come to lean on in the fantasy baseball community over the last you know, five to seven years. And so when I see him on this list, it doesn't necessarily surprise me. There's always been a ton of swing and miss in his game, and he has shown us over the last few years that he is able to surmount that swing and miss and still put together really productive seasons. He's the one guy, when we look at this list of guys, who has a track record of having this sort of profile and still giving you a ton of production. He doesn't run nearly as much as he used to, but I still believe that he can overcome what has been this big deficiency this year and really, quite frankly, a bad season, a bad first month and change of the season. We've seen him just snap into gear in the past, and he's the one guy on this list out of everyone who I trust to be able to do it at a moment's notice this season. Yeah, I think the other player who really jumps off the page to me from this group is Luis Robert. He's got 10 homers and four steals in 34 games. Part of the reason I'm comfortable with both Robert and Baez is that they have multiple skills to fall back on. Baez could start running a little bit and bring value there. I think Robert will continue to choose his spots very carefully. I think he's actually showing a decent eye at the plate for a guy who's striking out 30% of the time. He's got a walk rate just above 7%, and he's doing so much damage when he connects. I think he can be one of those players who gets away with that elevated K rate. So the question with Luis Robert is really, what are you going to be willing to pay for him in a 2021 draft when we're only going to have a 60-game season, right? The whole league hasn't necessarily had a chance to catch up to him yet. And, of course, he will eventually adjust back. But how quickly he adjusts will ultimately determine the shape of his second big league season. I still think he's going to be a star. I mean, I'll, I'm going to be willing to pay a pretty high premium. If we're already seeing this from him this year, 10 homers, 4 steals, as you mentioned, a premium spot in what is going to be a very good lineup in 2021 and for years to come, I think we're going to be talking about Luis Robert at a, you know, not quite superstar level, but just a half step behind it in 2021 in terms of draft day price. And I think we're going to be talking about him at that superstar level price in 2022 even with the fact that the league is going to be able to adjust to him, I am happy to pay that on Luis Robert. I wish I had more of him this year. I think he might have a top 20 ADP going into top 21 right. yeah. based on the, the groundwork that he's put together here 
in his rookie season. Before we sign off, our featured read for today comes from Zach Buchanan. It's entitled How Chadwick Boseman Went from Baseball Novice to Channeling Jackie Robinson. Be sure to check out that piece. That is going to wrap things up for today's episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that allows you to leave us a rating and review, we'd greatly appreciate it. For Michael Beller, I'm Derek Van Riper. We are back with you on Friday.